Welcome to WKJP News Radio, the podcast that talks about the 90s sitcom News Radio. And listen, if you have a problem with how we run this podcast, say it to my face, okay? Or to our Instagram. Or to our Instagram. WKJP Pod. Today we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 12, entitled Bitch Session. You know, I wrote down Bitch Fast. I know. I'm looking at my notes here. I wrote down Bitch Fast. Well, yeah, that's just... That's wishful thinking? I like a bitch fest. Sure. All right, Kayleen, I like to ask at the top, how are you doing? I forgot. You always ask me that. We haven't done this in so long. It's been like a month. Uh, More like two, maybe three weeks. It's been a long time. We did the short little one, but that doesn't even count. I guess that's true. We watched this episode a long time ago, and then we didn't record for a while. And then we tried to record, and then all of our equipment didn't work. We've tried to record twice the past two nights. Um, I'm fine. I feel I have some things I'm actually looking forward to not right now, which is exciting. So that's nice. Nice. It just feels like the last two years, it's like you can't make plans. You can't have things to look forward to. And yep. That's great. How are you, Jordan? I'm doing okay. I'm happy to be recording. This is fun. I'm looking forward to um, editing this as well, getting back in the swing of doing some recording. (laughs) I got a new laptop. I should say at the top, we're using totally new equipment provided by Uncle Keith. I have a shout out. Okay. Uh, So this is what he texted me. Black Lion Revolution 2x2 out of Chicago. They're an audio company. Yeah, so the mixer I'm looking at is Black Lion Audio. And there's a black lion on it Mm -hmm. and Rode Podcaster Pro and Keith's Cables because my, some people might not know that Funkle Keith is my brother Keith and he makes cables. He is an amazing sound engineer. I mean, he went to school for it. Yeah. And he knows a lot of stuff and he makes cables and sells them. So if you have a cable that you need and he will even customize it with colorful patterns to your desires and like shrink wrapped or something I don't know. he says he has like 30 different kinds of wraps and you can do different lengths if you do like i don't even know what the cables are for probably sound things guitars yeah music music recording type things uncle keith are we doing right by you <laughs> if you're interested let us know and we'll point you in his direction yeah he's great yep. and you should support him mm-hmm. and he is amazing for supporting us and yes. our little hobby that we have absolutely Okay, so I asked, how are you, Kayleen? <laughs> how are you? Yada, yada, yada. Kayleen, what have you been watching lately? Mm. Oh, no. Okay, so here's the thing. I have three things that I want to talk about that we've watched. I know what they are. Because it's been a while. I know what they I are. I just want to give you the opportunity to say another one in case. Yes, I'm just saying this is what, when I need my zoning out time, I've been watching Real Housewives, but as a family, we watched Encanto, and then we watched Onward, and we've watched Coco. Yeah, so it's been a pretty Pixar-heavy couple of weeks in our household. Yeah, and they were all great. Yeah, they're really good. Our oldest really likes Onward. We were watching it again tonight. He has also been singing the We Don't Talk About Bruno. I think he hears that at school a lot. I, I think that's I think he does too. very popular. I played it for him tonight, and he didn't recognize it until it got to the chorus. Sure. <laughs> but yeah, anything else you've been watching? So yeah, I was going to say those. We watched a movie that I quite liked, which was called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. That was kind of a random that we found. Yeah, totally... 
Random? Did, it was like a, was that the night we got Thai food? <laughs> Indian food? <laughs> what food were we eating? That's, let's talk about the important thing here. I think it was Indian food that night. I think it was night. Indian food as well. That has no bearing whatsoever on the movie. It does, though. If you enjoy the food, you're more likely to enjoy the movie. I really liked that movie. I thought about it a lot for you the did? next week. Oh, yeah. Oh. It really kind of stuck in my head a bit. Mm. Yeah. What, what so, stuck in your head about it? Uh, the performances. Uh, so in case you don't know, it's all about Jim Baker and Tammy Faye Baker, the televangelists from the 70s and 80s mm-hmm. and their downfall. And uh, yeah, just the way these actors were able to humanize these characters that were pretty repellent in a lot of ways yeah they were i mean yeah it was it was really good i also just find i don't know what you call i want to i don't want to use the word cult but like that kind of religious fanaticism Mm -hmm. where people will just i mean it's so manipulative yes it is so awfully manipulative and if i can kind of divorce myself from the feelings of like disgust about that I find it kind of interesting how people get sucked into religion like that and making really poor financial choices, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like giving their last dollars to these people who live in mansions and even now like televangelists who have their own private jets and it's for Jesus. Yeah. Right. (sighs) So that was a good one. Yeah. That was a good one. And then last, but definitely not least, we watched a little movie called The Shaggy DA. Oh, God. Why? <laughs> so my good friend John, uh, shout out to John, we, he sent me a GIF from The Shaggy DA, which, uh, in case you don't know, it's kind of a spinoff sequel of The Shaggy Dog, the movie in which uh, a human gets his mind transplanted into that of an English sheepdog. This one is like that, except... The human happens to be running for DA, so he gets caught up in a whole yeah, like, like web it's of district crime. attorney. Like any child knows what a DA <laughs> is. But the gif he sent me was of <laughs> the shaggy dog punching a guy in the face, then jumping out a window and sliding down a rope. And I was like, "Oh my god, we have to watch this movie!" And so yeah, we did it we on did. Disney Plus, and our kids seemed to like it. And I think he also, I think our oldest really just enjoyed you enjoying it yes like i think he liked laughing at it because he was laughing at you laughing at it yes but yeah but yeah that silliness was not even the the craziest part the uh sheepdog uh cons his way onto a roller derby team oh god i forgot about that too and so for a lot of this you're seeing someone Uh. in a very ridiculous sheepdog costume like clearly a human being a a bipedal human being in a sheepdog costume um in a roller derby (laughs) match which is pretty wild i had really blocked this out it was one of those things where like your eyes are seeing it and you just let it wash over you and it doesn't you don't let it stick yeah no it's wild anyway that's funny we watched that (laughs) we did i don't know that i can recommend it in any sense but it's pretty wild and hilarious if you were like high oh (laughs) it would be really funny yeah i mean it's funny if you're sober but it's i think it'd be really funny if you were like inebriated or yeah. using any type of substance. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. That's the main thing I can think of. Uh, I guess we're catching up on a few weeks here. Mm-hmm. So we also like to ask a question at the top oh, of the episode. Gosh, I'm not prepared for anything. Okay. No, that's okay. So I've got one. Okay. I'm, I'm ready. So this is a little bit of a weird one. They're all kind of weird, but okay. So tomorrow 
you are going to have to be part of producing a like standard three camera 90s sitcom you can choose any role in the production of the sitcom you want so you can be director you can be actor you can be writer you can be gaffer you can be you know whatever okay. craft services if sure, you want sure sure what role would you want to be in producing mm. a sitcom a 90s sitcom in particular. Yeah, I'm thinking like, like, like news radio, Seinfeld, like Friends, I should think Frasier. of like I should think of a show that already exists and if I could have had a job or was going to have a job tomorrow on that show, what show and what job? Exactly. It doesn't have to be the show, I guess, but hmm. if you want to. Um, do you have your answer yet? So, I would love to be a background extra uh. in Cafe Nervosa in Frasier. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. That's I, a good one. I'm very good at taking direction. I'm very good at sitting quietly and doing nothing. I think it would be a lot of fun to just be on that set. Yeah. Although I feel like Kelsey Grammer has a reputation for not being as nice and everyone else on this on that show is really close. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Yeah, that's probably true, but he's probably not interacting with you. Hmm. Oh, you know who I kind of want to say? Okay, this is just like off the top of my head. I'll have to think more about this because you put me on the spot. No, speak your truth. So I have a few ideas. One idea that I had, one of the first ideas I had was wanting to be on the Friends set. Thinking honestly, like, but not on the, I wouldn't want to be on the show. I would want to be like craft services for Friends. Oh, okay. Because then I would just get to be around Jennifer Aniston and David Schwimmer and maybe they'd like me. Courtney Cox really likes these olives. (laughs) I know. Maybe they'd be my friend. Maybe. Um, the other one that I just thought of, but this is like a young me. It couldn't be me right now. But if I could have been DJ Tanner on Full House. Sure. Because she got to kiss Steve. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. And he was pretty dreamy. I liked him. Yeah. I mean, like, obviously me right now, that would be inappropriate being on that show. Yeah. <laughs> That would be weird for you to be kissing yeah. a teenage boy. Although I could be on Fuller House and play DJ. Yeah. And then be with grown-up Steve. Nah. I think I want, I want like 15-year-old Steve. Sure. I'm trying to think of any other shows. I mean, I would love to be like in the writer's room for Frasier or Seinfeld. I just think yeah. like the idea of participating in the writing of a show, or news radio, honestly. Yeah. Writing a show like that would be really fun. I don't think I have those That's abilities. Thing, I don't think I do either. I don't think I'm smart enough or funny enough yeah. to be to be a writer like that. Like being on the Seinfeld set, I think would have been really fun to just watch those actors. Yeah. Like being a stand-in or something. I will be Julia Louise Dreyfus's stand-in mm-hmm. when they're doing the lighting and <laughs> just sit in her spot. Um, but that would be I think that would be a fun set to be on just to watch them. Yeah. Work. Huh, I'll have to think more about this question. That's a good question. Yeah, it's kind of an out-there question. As always, if you have a question you want to hear us talk about, or if you want to weigh in with your answer, feel free to do so on social media, email, all that. All right, should we get into the episode? Let's do it. Okay. So, we are going to be talking about Bitch Session. This first aired January 14th, 1996. We're in 96. Hmm. It was written by Brian Kelly, who's contributed to some episodes kind of here and there throughout, really throughout the five seasons. He writes an episode I really love later on in season three um, called Arcade. That doesn't tell you anything. 
Um, and then it was directed by James Burroughs, who, remember, did the first, like, five of season one. He's the one who did a ton of directing for Cheers. So really venerable mm-hmm. TV director. There are no new number ones this week. Hmm. So nothing to talk about there. All right. The synopsis is Dave accidentally hears the staff complaining about him. That's pretty much it. Hmm. Have you ever heard somebody complaining about you? That's a great question. Besides me. <laughs> um, no, I don't think I've ever heard anybody complaining about me, like person A complaining about me to person B. I don't think so. Mm. Have you? Um, I don't think so. I've, I feel like I've walked into rooms before when you can tell like, oh, they were just talking about me. <laughs> okay, they're not that <laughs> obvious, but just that kind of like feeling of like, Oh, hey. Hey. Oh. Hey hey there. Hey, you. <laughs> I can't think of any off the top of my head. My ears are burning. It's way more likely that other people have overheard me talking about them. Hmm. <laughs> Something I heard once that always stuck with me is, it's a good idea to let your kids overhear you saying nice things about them. And oh, yeah. I actually do try to do that. I try to compliment our kids in a way that they hear yeah. me complimenting them to their teachers or to you or hmm. whoever. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. But in terms of like somebody bitching about me, I listen, I'm sure plenty of oh, people yeah. have bitched about me. Probably some listeners now. Oh yeah. But, um, nobody I think I've ever overheard. Yeah. I mean, like, is there anybody in this world that hasn't gotten complained about by somebody? Of course, like everybody complains about everyone at some point. You know, I've known people, though, who, like, I have a hard time imagining anybody complaining about them. So mm-hmm. my my office mate, Laura, who you met once. Oh, yeah. Just one of the sweetest people I've ever met. Sure. But you didn't have to live with her. No, I didn't. But I just would have a hard time imagining somebody complaining about her in yeah. any way, you know? Yeah. You You know people like that. I think that the people that don't get ever complained about, maybe too dull to complain about <laughs> sure <laughs> right the fact they that don't nobody's, a, there's not enough spice there the fact that nobody's complaining about you shows that like yeah you're not interesting enough to talk about yeah i mean like i've had i've known people who are like perfectly nice but you're also like there's it feels like they don't you don't have your own opinions you have nothing yeah. to say you just like mold yourself into whatever situation you're in and like you're just utterly pleasant And that's nice, but nice is really boring. Yeah. What's that Oscar Wilde quote? The only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. Right. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's get into the episode here. In scene one, Joe is helping Dave fix his phone. He's kind of like crouching under the desk, pushing wires around. Um, This is where we learn that Joe refuses to buy any mass-produced parts. So he kind of goes back and forth with Dave about not being willing to just go down to the store and buy a part to fix the phone. Where is the phone jack that he's under the desk like that? Like, I was like, what is under that desk that he could possibly be using? Because the cord for the phone maybe goes under his desk, but, like, the jack is usually up against a wall. It's not on the floor or something. I mean, yeah, I I don't know. My phone does have a cord that goes down through the desk because it also hooks up to my computer at work. Yeah, but I have something, too. Dave doesn't even have any other cords on his desk besides his phone. Well, he's got that cute little laptop. 
But there's never been a cord attached to it. That's true. It's running on battery the whole time. Yep, oh. all the time. Huh. That's how original laptops ran, all in, only on battery. Oh, wow. It's got 40, I don't, 45 I don't minutes of battery I don't power. know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so Bill comes in, and he makes a few jokes about uh, finding Joe and Dave in that situation. Yep. <laughs> there's our 90s homophobia joke right off the bat. I think it's pretty funny. A I man mean, under a desk near another man's knees, thighs legs i mean if you walked in to a situation where well, it's weird that dave didn't move like move dude like why is he sitting right up in there when somebody's <sighs> working under your desk just like move that is strange i guess he could have been like using the phone but he should be standing next to the desk using the phone i would be uncomfortable sitting at the desk while someone worked yes around my feet i know yeah i know it's also kind of just rude like if someone came in your office to do some work under your desk you would leave. You would get up and move yeah. out of the way for them. Mm-hmm. Whatever. I don't know. It, I, I thought it was funny. I thought the way that Bill played those jokes was funny. Uh, so Bill lures Joe away with the promise of $20 to help him get a voice modulator. He kind of wants more like bass or resonance in his voice. So they go into the booth to work on this, and Bill uses Joe's adjustments to the booth to patch into the intercom, and then he surprises Matthew. Wait a second. Patch me into the intercom and turn the volume way up. <laughs> Hang on. Hang on. Okay. Now. <laughs> close. Close, Bill. Good. No cigar. You're going to have to wake up pretty early. Hey, do you have the time? Yes. I wrote down another dumb Matthew gag. I think it's funny. I love the way he yells Matthew. Oh, over this, well, I'm just, yeah. I'm getting a little ahead of myself that when Matthew pours the coffee on himself. Matthew says, you have to get up pretty early to surprise me. And Beth walks over and asks him the time. And he just immediately dumps coffee on himself. But she just like steps on her own line. Like you barely yes. can even understand what she's saying. Yeah. But you did point out that uh, if that was hot coffee, like you would be startled you would react you would jump like oh yeah he barely even seems to like notice that he just dumped coffee on himself i know and he also like dumps it 180 upside down <laughs> i do like that though i mean it's like yeah it's not realistic right, but right it like, contributes to the it's like andy dick is like oh here comes my gag yep yeah time to fall down whoa all right so then we get the credits after that we have a staff meeting at the conference table Dave says that the company won't be reimbursing cab rides home anymore. There are some kind of like uh, funny interactions between Dave and the staff here. Like it turns out that Matthew had been taking a cab and going around to different boroughs and picking up friends and then ending up at the airport because they asked the cab driver where the action is, that sort of thing. That is going too far. No, taking a cab to New Jersey and back is going too far. (laughs) That was radio related business. There are plenty of places in Manhattan to buy a radio. Uh, Dave, it was a 43% off sale. Apparently, the guy who owned the place went crazy and was slashing prices. Well, I may go crazy and slash paychecks if I see another receipt like that. Joe has rigged something up for Bill. Um, This is also where we learn that Joe makes his own duct tape. So they go into the booth to try the uh, homemade voice modulator, and their voices are way too low. I do like the fact that they've got these low voices, and then even Catherine's voice is yeah. way too low. That's yeah. kind of funny. Okay, give it a shot. 
So sparks blow out from the mixing board, and I like the way that Joe says, folks, stay calm. This happens in my apartment every day. I still just don't buy Joe as, like, I wrote down. So apparently he can fix a phone. He can fix a soundboard. He can do the radio antenna for the entire building. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. And we're just supposed to believe that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Yep, got it. In the next scene, Dave's in his office. He's still trying to get his phone to work. Everyone thinks that he leaves for the dentist, but he's actually still under the desk. So people start coming into his office and they start complaining about him there. Um, one of the things they talk about is his coffee cup gymnastics. Uh, so apparently he makes oh, silly sure. gestures with his coffee cup. Uh, I love the way that Matthew says, imitating Dave, I can't actually put my mug down or I'll lose all my magic powers. You know, that reminded me of was our mutual English teacher in high school. Oh, yes. Because he always had a coffee mug with him. Like he would clutch it. He would clutch it all yes. day long. Yeah. And like bring it to his mouth slowly and drink and then hold it and then set it down and pick it back up again. And yeah. It just reminded me of him. You'd be making a point and he'd be like staring really intently at you while like sipping on his coffee. And yes. Uh, like eyebrows raised. Yeah. You know? uh, so I wanted to point out that this is what Tanya was talking about before. So I know that you have complained a lot about uh, people and their coffee cups on this show. Mm-hmm. Tanya suggested that they're actually hanging a lampshade on that problem here by making a joke about how Dave oh. plays with his cup. Yeah, but like again, there's just there's so clearly no liquid in it ever. I know. I don't know. But we know that the coffee cups are kind of a like a prop among a lot of different people, especially Dave as a character. And right. so I think maybe the writers are like aware that the coffee cup is kind of a thing. Or maybe like I don't know what's his name, the guy who plays Dave. Uh, Dave Foley. Oh, his name is Dave. Yeah, you knew that. I guess I did. Like, he made a, a choice as an actor to make his mug mm -hmm. a thing, and then they decided to play that up in the writer's room or something. I think so. And then I know they have said on things like the commentary tracks that the writers would pull from the actor's real personalities and incorporate those things into the characters. Mm -hmm. So... Dave Foley apparently really does like his coffee. And so they kind of incorporated being a coffee sure. fanatic into Dave Nelson, the character. Or later on, we see that um, Joe Gorelli is a bit of a conspiracy theorist. And surprise, surprise, right. they're getting that right. from Joe Rogan. Right. So Catherine says that she saw Dave complete 17 fully executed coffee cup maneuvers, which I just thought was funny. That's it. One thing I wanted to point out is that uh, Lisa comes in and finds them complaining about Dave in his office, and Matthew says it's more fun because it's taboo. Taboo. So that's at least the second time he's done that. He did that with, he did that in a previous episode when he was talking about like the relationship between him and between Dave and Lisa. Mm. Like it's more exciting because it's taboo. Hmm. I don't remember that. Taboo. That's all. Good to know. So one of the things they make fun of is Dave's suit. Um, they compare him to a Norman Rockwell painting, first day at Bible college. <laughs> They're not wrong. He does. <laughs> he does look like a like 
Mormon or something. Yeah. I mean, speaking of the eyes of Tammy Faye, like there are several scenes that take place in the fifties at a Bible college in Minnesota. And like, yeah, he looks just like, he would have fit right in. Yeah. Part of it is his hair, Mm -hmm. you know? So Catherine sees Dave under the desk and then she very vocally distances herself from the uh, bitch session. Uh, She walks out of the room, very pointedly talking about it's not right to make fun of the way a man dresses. And I love that Matthew tries to explain that, oh, see, in the black community. That was a smirk (laughs) for me. Partly because I feel like we have friends that are like that. Like, we have white friends that would be like, well, I'm a little more woke than everyone else. So I'm going to explain now what this means. Oh, see, one thing you need to know is that in the black community. Right. Yes. It's just so funny that this is like 25 years later, you still get that. Yes. Um, But (laughs) you hear Catherine yell from across the set, oh, Matthew, shut up. I just thought that was great. I really like that pairing of characters. I just think that they're really funny together. So Beth and Bill put on a mini play with Beth as the tormented employees and Bill on his knees as That Dave. was kind of funny when he walks in on this, <laughs> his knees. Presenting Dave the Insane Maniac, a play in one act by Beth and Bill. You look miserable and depressed. Oh, I am. I can no longer take cab rides home from the office. Excellent. That's good news to me. You see, I'm from Wisconsin. (laughs) Where taxi cabs are feared and hunted for the delicious meat under their hoods. Quality? Or tragedy. You You be be the the judge. judge. The end. Yeah, so at the end, they're, you know congratulating them on the apparently another successful mini play and uh bill says i like to stay away from the broad physical stuff no offense matthew again that's the writers hanging a lampshade on the fact that like oh yes matthew does do broad physical comedy in the show i wrote that the bitch session was so like unbelievably scripted it just did not feel organic at all oh interesting i really did not like their bitch session like i mean I, as a person, love a good bitch session. Like, I'll be the first to be like, yeah, let's complain, because that's fun. But it just felt so artificial, like the way that they just talked about him. I don't know. It felt like these actors all of a sudden were like, okay, I'm saying my lines now, and here's my line. And, like, the idea that, like, the two of them put on these little plays every day, like, no, they don't. Like, no. And then they, like, bow and everyone claps and stuff. I'm just, like... Yeah, that part was a little um, performative or a little bit stilted. Uh, So we do see, I guess, knowing what comes later in the show, Bill and Beth doing that doesn't seem quite as unbelievable. And I'll just... That's all I'll say. Um, Like, just the idea that... I mean, usually when you are, I don't know, complaining about someone, it feels very... Uh, organic and casual like you're just all Mm. kind of like oh this person says this comment and then someone else kind of piles on and then someone else kind of piles on and then you all kind of get out what you need to say and then you're like yeah and then you all leave and this just felt so everybody it's time for the show like everybody come in here's our daily dose of like making fun of Dave and it didn't feel like these people would make fun of him like that I don't know not that they wouldn't make fun of him but that they wouldn't do it in such a artificially feel feeling way i don't know interesting okay 
I just felt like when they were saying their lines, like every single one of their lines, especially Lisa's lines, that she just did not feel, in my opinion, conflicted enough. Mm. Yeah. Like I would not feel okay sitting and making fun of you. Or if I did, I would feel, I would feel a way, you know, I wouldn't, I would not. There's a way that you kind of make fun of somebody that you love with another person. Yes. Like I'm also like, I can say things, but I'm also going to be defensive of them. Yes. Like I can say something, but you, I mean, if you say something, then you have to tread lightly. And like, right. I just don't feel like she played that with any type of nuance at all. I guess it's a little similar to like how I joke about you to your parents. Yeah. Where the line is very clear. Like, yeah, I don't know. It just, it didn't, it didn't ring true to me that Lisa would be so comfortable in that setting, hearing people complain about her boyfriend. That's interesting. And again, I just don't feel like she played it with enough of like, because for sure, everybody has still has to blow off steam about their significant other, whether it's their boss or not. Yeah. But it felt like that was an opportunity for, I don't remember her name, Mora, mm-hmm. to just be a little bit more. And I don't know, maybe I'm, again, I, I think sometimes I want this show to be more than what it is. Yeah. But it just didn't feel nuanced enough to me. That's, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I guess I would have... I'd never thought about that, but I guess I would have expected her to play it with a little bit more like, okay, all right. Like, yeah, because they all know that they're in a relationship too. I mean, that's why Joe asks Lisa if Dave buys his suits in the little boys department. Right. Right. Yeah. You're winning me over. Like I'm more with you than I was before you said these things. The one thing I think about is like, and I'm, I've got to speak carefully about this, but I work at a big enough company that when we have large meetings, there are technological ways of uh, the employees talking to each other. And usually it's kind of like a live commentary on snarky, snarky things. And I can say that what people are doing is trying kind of performatively to make the best joke they can. They're not necessarily just bitching about the thing. They're also like, what's a thing I can say that like complains about this, but also gets the most likes or, you know, makes people laugh or whatever. So I guess I could kind of imagine the employees doing the same thing where they're thinking of things to joke about Dave about, but they're thinking of ways to do it to get their coworkers to laugh. Sure. Yeah. But then again, I just like they would be more careful about doing that in front of Lisa. Yeah. Yeah. Like it seems like they would complain about David. And if Lisa came in, they would like tone it down. Yeah. I don't know. I I hadn't thought about that dynamic. So the scene ends with Dave reaching up from under the desk, picking up the phone and calling his mom. (laughs) When we watched that the first time, you went, oh. I know. (laughs) I know. That would be hard. I think being a boss is hard. Yeah. Because it's just, you're so easy to pick on. Yeah. You know, and like, you're never going to be good enough. Yeah. You know. In the next scene, Mr. James and Dave are having drinks in a bar. Um, Apparently, Dave's mom said to him, come home, pumpkin, which is really sweet. Dave is kind of talking with Mr. James about how he feels unloved, and Mr. James says, oh, I love you, pumpkin. (laughs) And that embarrasses Dave. Mr. James grabs his face and, like, stares him in the eyes and tells him how much he loves him, even as the waiter comes up. Um, Our second gay joke of the episode but i like how they lean into it though like mr james says like there's nothing wrong with two drunk men loving each other (laughs) but they have to be drunk yeah that's you know like but he stands up and he yells like you come over here yeah no you you come over here i got a young man right here that i happen to love 
I think Miss Drunk Mr. James is wonderful. I just what time do you think it is when they're doing this? One o'clock in I the know. afternoon. I know. This is a, what three martini lunch, isn't I know. that the? Is the that saying? what they call it? Yep. Uh, so yeah, they're just kind of talking about it, and Mr. James is, I think, actually really helpful in putting these comments in perspective. So right. like Dave describes what they were making fun of, like, oh, they made fun of the way I hold my coffee cup, right? Or like. The really know. shallow things. Yeah. Uh, they said I look like a 14-year-old in a suit, and Mr. Mm-hmm. James is like, Well, you do. Well, you do. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I just thought it was a really sweet moment between those two characters. You did point out that there's this weird painting behind them in the booth. Oh, yeah. I'm fairly sure that's Martin Luther. If I don't, it's I don't not, know. That, it's whoever one of those... dressed that set was yeah. just like, that's a low-budget set right uh, there. A little bit, yeah. This is like... They went to the community theater and pulled out the fake vines and like yeah. the the single booth that stands by itself. Yeah. Like, yeah. In the next scene, Dave and Mr. James come back into the office drunk. Um, I love Mr. James as Dave's hype man. So Dave says something and Mr. James goes, yeah. <laughs> or Dave says something else and Mr. James goes, amen. <laughs> I just think it's really sweet. Uh, Dave tells the staff that he's worried that he came across like an insane Norman Rockwell Bible school boy maniac. And everybody starts to cringe realizing that like, Oh, he must've heard them or at first Beth accuses Lisa of telling Dave. uh, But then he reveals that he was hiding under the desk. And then I just love the turnaround that the staff get mad at him, that he was eavesdropping on them. Mm -hmm. And then Mr. James very vocally has to uh, distance himself from Dave. In the next scene, Dave is asleep on his desk. Uh, Lisa kind of comes in to sort of comfort him, and he just has some really, some really funny lines that are really snotty. Um, and I just, I just kind of like this, this conflict between the two of them, where she comes in and is trying to be nice, and he's just kind of a dick. And so, like one of his lines is that he's just resting up for that big sale at Baby Gap. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. You could just tell the writers had some fun with these kind of one-liners. Yeah, I feel like I'm not usually one to defend Dave, but I feel like he has every right to be upset with her. Her in particular. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lisa does get mad at him. Uh, Dave says, oh, I don't remind you of a Norman Rockwell painting. And she said, no, he didn't paint one called Pissy Wisconsin Jerk (laughs) and storms out. In the next scene, Joe and Bill are back in the booth. Bill keeps telling Joe, just give up, we'll just buy something, and Joe says, Joe, please, can't we just give up? Did Thomas Edison give up? Thomas Edison wasn't trying to invent something that was readily available at a variety of stores near his home. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not giving up, and neither of you. Come on, man. <laughs> That's such a wordy yeah. line, but it's so funny, it's so articulate, I just really, I liked it. Hmm. It was funny. Hmm. So then, Bill tries one more time, and he convinces Joe that Joe was able to get the vocal modulator to work. But in fact, Bill is doing it himself. Um, he's using this, his skull as some sort of sounding board. I mean, I wrote that the radio voice runner is meh. Very meh. Yeah, yeah there's not a lot there. In the last scene, Mr. James calls the whole staff into his office, starts comparing the situation to a civil war. The staff is all complaining about how Dave eavesdropped on them. Bill says, he pulled a desk job on us, Jim. Mr. James says he'll start looking for a new news director. Matthew immediately stands up and says that he'll quit if Dave gets fired and then no one else joins him. 
He think. seems like the person that would want to strike first and then yes. be like, you guys, no, just kidding. Yeah, I mean, this is very... Like, um, he wants to be a leader, but he's not. Very black armbands. Yeah. No sale yes. from the previous episode. Yes. yes. Yeah. Bill has a really nice line about Dave being a really great news director, and Catherine says, wow, Bill McNeil shows a little compassion and sincerity. And Bill says, those dimensions are there, they're just unexplored. Mr. James agrees to let Dave stay, but convinces everyone to hold their bitch sessions elsewhere. He pulls back the curtain, and Dave was hiding to listen to everyone. Um, I called that. Yeah, you did call that. I was that. pretty proud of that. Yeah. yeah, and that's really sweet that Mr. James like arranged it so that he could hear his staff actually say right. nice things about him. Right. Mr. James agrees to take Dave out for a little hair of the dog. Um, Dave says he's not actually sure what will happen with Lisa because what she said really hurt in a way that's just different from uh, everybody else. Well, it's not just what she said. It's also that she's probably engaging with everyone else and not telling him. And like, if anyone's supposed to have your back, it should be a person you're seeing. Yeah. So then Mr. James pulls back a different curtain to reveal that Lisa was listening to what Dave was saying about them. Um, And Lisa says, don't worry, I've got my ways of bringing Dave back to her. Uh, Mr. James suggests that she call him Pumpkin. Call him Pumpkin. He likes that. It did make me, like, for a second, I was like, oh, maybe they'll break up. Or maybe this will actually cause, like, a rift in their relationship. Hmm. I just find their relationship interesting. I wish they would, like, do something with it. I said this from the very, very beginning. Hmm. Like, do something with it or have them break up Mm -hmm. or, I don't know. I will say that I remember this episode and this conversation between Mr. James and Dave and then Mr. James and Lisa as being an inflection point. Hmm. But I don't really remember exactly what comes next. Hmm. I guess we'll watch and find out. Yeah. All right. And that's kind of the end of the episode. Yeah. I wrote that. I thought it was a cute ending. I yeah. like I like little surprise like that. Yeah. It felt like kind of a Frasier ending. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of on about Frasier tonight. But yeah, the, the double reveal seemed like a nice little twist. What did you think of this episode? I was kind of disappointed. I thought it would be more funny. Did you think the bitching would be bitchier? I thought it would be funnier. Hmm. I, I don't know. I liked the bitching. I thought the one-liners about Dave were good. Yeah. I, I like the I like the Norman Rockwell thing. I like Bill's little skit about Dave when he's on his knees. You know, I just don't think any of them are annoying enough to be like I'm thinking about the office when people make fun of Dwight. Yeah. It makes sense to make fun of Dwight because he's so insufferable. Yeah. There's no one here that's actually that annoying. Yeah. So like it doesn't mean it doesn't it's not super funny to make fun of them because you're just kind of like, oh yeah, he does like he does look young. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, he does like do a lot with his coffee cup, I guess. Yeah, you've got to kind of modulate this, I think. And I think you're right that The Office does this at exactly the right pitch, which is to say, like, yes, you pick on Dwight because he's insufferable. Like, on the one extreme, you've got something like Full House where they, like, tease Danny about being too much of a neat freak. Mm -hmm. And it just is. I I find those jokes awful because, like, it's so innocuous and so Mm -hmm. stupid. Like, oh, he likes to have a clean house. He loves to clean. Jesse likes his hair. Oh, my God. Like, they're so nothing and they're so harmless right that's like this doesn't feel like anything but then you get other shows 
And I really feel like this got ramped up in the like late aughts where the entire joke of the show is how awful everybody is. I mean, this is why I tried to watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and I just couldn't. Or Shit's Creek. Shit's Creek. Yeah. Where it's just like the whole That's joke. That's a newer show, but you you hate that show. The whole I mean, well, Shit's Creek is its own. I have my own problems with that, but with it's always sunny or even like curb your enthusiasm. The whole joke is like, these people are awful. And like mm. when they complain about how awful they all are, they're all right. And like, that's the joke. I just don't, I don't want that. So yeah. you've got to kind of like calibrate it just right. And I think you might be right that this is more on the slightly more on the full house end than right. the always sunny I, end. I guess I just don't feel like bitching about one of them was as funny I felt it would have been funnier if they were bitching about like a scenario or a new policy or something like that well, I mean they are bitching about a new policy right the instigating factor is that they oh, won't be sure reimbursing that, for the cabs anymore right but even like it felt like in my head I'm like yeah your 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 company shouldn't be reimbursing you for taxi rides home yeah yeah, I, I also thought that sounded like a real luxury, but at the same time... Like we like, don't live in New York, so we don't know. Yeah, that, and like I'm sure you and I have perks at our jobs that we don't even recognize as perks, but if somebody took them away, we would be like, hey! Yeah, that's true. So, no, that's, that's interesting. All right. Now it's time for... Yo, it's the 90s. All right, so this is a big, like, name episode. It's a big 90s name episode. It is? Well, I've got five. Oh, my gosh. How did I miss all that? So when they're talking about the vocal modulator, uh, they reference both Rush Limbaugh. Right, I noticed that. As, like, a fat guy. Yeah. And Robin Quivers. I don't know who that is. Oh, she's Howard Stern's sidekick. Oh, right. The lady. Yeah. Apparently, she's, like, really busty. Yeah, she is. Okay, well, that makes sense. Yep. And then when Dave and Mr. James are in the bar, they wave to Ted Turner. Okay. And then they reference both Mike Eisner and Mike Ovitz. Nope. So Mike Eisner was the president of Disney hmm. in the 90s. Okay. So he was a big like corporate name. And then Mike Ovitz also was one of those like LA-adjacent entertainment people who I actually don't remember. Hmm. I tried to look it up and... I did read his Wikipedia page, and then it was so boring to me, I immediately forgot it. So so I just mean that's a bunch of names. They also reference the Unabomber in relation to Joe. Sure, I have pointed yeah. out before that they like to reference yeah. the Unabomber just as a running joke, but especially in relation to Joe. So those are the 90s references I've got. Did you catch any? I just had the two, the homophobic jokes, two of them. I will to me, s- to me, those just feel very '90s. Like you just, yeah. you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have. Maybe the one where they're like two drunk men loving each other. Like maybe that could fly now, I guess. And then the other thing I had was, um, they referenced a phone jack, uh-huh. and I was just like, oh yeah, because like you need a phone jack for a phone, and I'm like, that's not a thing, at all, really now. <laughs> no, that's funny in both. So I guess that's a thing in businesses. Like obviously, like there's still every business has phone jacks and phones, but yeah. In every mm. apartment and house you and I have ever lived in, we've had the problem of, like, what do we do about this phone jack on the wall? Yeah. <laughs> because, like, we're not yeah. going to plug a phone into it. So mm-hmm. we just end up hanging pictures in front of them. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, we just put furniture or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Okay. Anything else for the 90s? Nope. 
Cool. So now it is time for... The game. The game. All right. So, yes, this was supposed to be your game. That's okay. You were busy. I was I, busy. I stepped in. I will say this is uh, kind of a last-minute topic. Okay. Not a great topic. I could not think of a very good topic that I would I threw fit. you a topic to do for me, and you didn't do it? Oh, my God. Tell them what the topic was. It would have been great. The topic of the episode was Bitch Session, and every episode of Real Housewives of New York has multiple bitch sessions, so... I told Jordan he should do a trivia for me about Real Housewives of New York because I want to see how smart I am about Real Housewives of New York. But that would involve me learning about the Real Housewives, <laughs> which I refuse to do. Um, listeners, if any of you like the Real Housewives of New York and you want to write me some trivia questions and see how much I know, I would actually really enjoy that. Yeah, send them my way. I'll quiz Kaylin, but I am not learning about the Housewives. Fair okay. enough. So, the topic of this game is January 1996. Aw. So, we've done something similar to this. I think I did September 95. Sure. So, I have 10 questions, 10 days in January. Okay. And I'm going to give you questions about what happened. Okay. Are you ready? I guess. (laughs) So, one thing I noticed is, like, not a lot happened in January 1996. <laughs> so it was a great topic for trivia. <laughs> um, I guess I just expected it to be a more eventful month than Why? it was. I what? don't know. There was a lot going on in September of 95. Like, I had more than 10 choices to pick mm. from. Uh, apparently, there Things was a huge... cooled down in those five months. Literally, there was a huge winter storm in January that uh, buried the East Coast. Why would I know that? No, there. Uh, that's oh. why it's not a question in the trivia. Okay. So, like, that was the big thing. When you searched January 1996, people are like, the blizzard of January 96. So you've given away the biggest event already. Yeah, that's not a trivia question, though. Okay. Yeah. So everything else you're going to ask me is even less known than the great blizzard of January 96. Less known, but you will still be able to guess them as trivia questions. Things are not boding well for Kayleen. Oh, boy. Okay. January 1st. After 27 years, this character finally debuts as a Flintstones vitamin. Well, it can't be like... Flintstones vitamins have been around before 96, because I was taking them. So in 1996... Sure, this is a character. So it's not Barney and Fred. It's not Wilma and Betty. Is it Dino? Dino's your guess? Dino's my guess. That would be incorrect. I don't know. It is Betty Rubble. Oh. She was not a vitamin shape. That seems dumb. That would be like the obvious four. I know, but I think, so I remember but this But kids event. like the dino, I guess? Kids probably like the dinosaur. I think the explanation that they usually gave was that Betty and Wilma's shapes looked too much alike. And they're not that different in shape. Like, Fred and Barney look really different. No, they don't. They're hugely different in size. Yeah, one is tall, one is small, but they're both shaped like a rectangle. And both Betty and Wilma are shaped like hourglasses. Shocker. I just mean that. (laughs) Sorry. They are the same shape. They both wear sacks. 
Fred's is orange and black and Barney's is brown. Okay. They, welcome back to Flintstones facts. I'm just saying, I, I know these pictures. Fred has black hair. Barney has yellow hair. But, yeah, like, they I, look the same. I, I hear you. I'm just saying that the explanation they gave as to why Betty was not herself one of sure. the shapes was that she was indistinguishable from Wilma. Now, maybe you could say, but what about Fred and Barney? They look... Right. Identical to. I don't think they do. One is short and squat. One is tall. So like, that is different. I mean, Wilma has a tall, longer, thinner head. Betty's head is more oval and sideways. Yes. Uh, Because her hair is like that too. And Wilma's hair is more vertical. Kids are paying close attention to this. I'm just saying. (laughs) They put on their jeweler's loop to look. That's why I'm like, why didn't they have her from the beginning? This is just misogyny and vitamins. Big vitamin, and it's a misogyny problem. I know. Patriarchy. I know. All right. Zero points. And may God help (laughs) your soul. January 3rd. The Motorola StarTac, the first of this style, goes on sale, eventually selling 60 million units. StarTac? Motorola? Is that, isn't that like a razor? I'm going to say a razor. Motorola? Razor? Is that, isn't that a razor? Like a men's shaving razor? God, you're making fun of me. I I'm see not it. making fun. I see that face. No, I just see the two. Or is Motorola a phone? Is it a phone? It's something with a motor. <laughs> <laughs> the motor. <laughs> the the Rolla part of the motor. Is it a phone? I guess like. Were cell phones a thing in 96? Okay, I'll change my answer. I'll say, a, I'll say a cell phone. Is it a phone? God damn it. This is why I don't like the trivia. I'm going to give you half a point. Okay, yes, it was a cell phone. Okay. It was a clamshell-like flip phone. It was oh, the first it. flip phone. So if you remember, previous sure, cell phones sure. were just like blocks. Yes. They're like bricks. This was the first time that it was a flip phone. So what is the brand of like Razor? So what you're confused about, and sorry, I was laughing because I could see these two like separate points. Uh, I was trying to see you get from like B to C, but instead you're going like B to E to C. Um, Motorola had a phone called the Razor, which was a oh, phone, but it okay. was called a Razor. Maybe that's okay. So that's so then you thought there was a Motorola shaver, like a men's razor. That's all. So what are other companies that make men's brawn? Brawn. Um, what's the one? Harry's is the new one. Like, what was, like, the old school? Gillette, the best a man can get. I feel like there's a razor company. Wall. Okay. W-A-H-L. I don't know. Braun. Maybe I'm thinking of Braun. I don't know. Think- My brain is a cluttered attic of <laughs> things. January 9th. The first episode of this NBC sitcom aired. I that's not I, that's not enough information. All right, ask me a question. What is it? <laughs> I mean, honestly, ask me a question about an NB. What's the first letter? This the first <laughs> the first episode of this NBC sitcom starring John Lithgow aired. Third Rock from the Sun. There we go. There it is. <laughs> I, I mean, probably come on, no. That you're was you're not right. I probably should have given you like one more piece of information in there. You're right. You're right. Okay. I am right. January eighteenth, this high-profile couple filed for divorce after twenty months. Oh, 
Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley. That is correct. Yes! Very good. I was trying to think about who hadn't been married very long. I remember... Remember, he was the answer to one of my questions. I remember. Questions. Yeah, that was, if you needed a hint, I was going to say, yeah. this question has come yeah. up before. Did you know that she got married to him less than a month after divorcing her previous husband? No, I didn't. Mm. January 24th, this person gave his first post-trial video interview. O.J. Simpson. Very good. So he was, he gave an interview, but uh, he tried to promote his alternative theory of who actually killed Ron and Nicole, and right. they refused to right. include that part. Yeah. January 25th, Billy Bailey was the last person in the United States to be executed by this method. He was a convicted murderer in Delaware. Mm. Being shot. Being shot? Like um, firing squad? Oh, no, electrocuted. Yeah, I was thinking firing squad, but no, I'm going to say electrocuted. That is incorrect. Was it firing squad? No, he was the last person to be hanged. They hanged him in 96? Yeah. Jesus. He was the last person in the U.S. to be hanged. Did he pick that? That's a good question. I believe he did. Huh. Okay, then. Yeah. January 25th. This composer slash lyricist slash playwright died the night before the off-Broadway premiere of his most famous production. Andrew Lloyd Webber. Still alive. <laughs> Is he? <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Well, I know it's not Stephen Sondheim because he recently died. Yep. Uh, Rogers and Hammerstein, one of those two. Died the night before the off-Broadway premiere of his most famous production. I have no idea. What is his most famous production? Premiered on Broadway, I want to say like three or four months later. I have no idea. There was a recent biopic about him. No. I know you know this play. What's the play? Rent. Who did Rent? I don't remember his name. Jonathan Larson is the answer. Oh, okay. Oh, I guess I thought you would know that. No, I just know... The people I knew in high school, I was going to say the girls I knew in high school, which is true. It was well, pretty I, much entirely but girls, I, but like the people I knew also really were into the like myth of Jonathan Larson. So. But you know that like I wasn't, I was just pretending to be into Rent. I never really was. Oh, okay. All I right. was just around people who liked Rent. Okay. I was trying to think in my head if I know the 525,000. <laughs> like, I'm like, do I know that? What songs do I even know from that? I know that. And then there's one about lighting my candle. And that's about it. <laughs> Um, there's one where they moo at each other. I remember my friend Kate in high school telling me about how funny, like, the scene was where they, like, sing a song where they moo at each other. And I was like, Christ. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) All right. January 26th. First Lady Hillary Clinton testifies before a grand jury concerning this event. Um, something to do with her husband and Monica Lewinsky. You're a couple of years early. Okay. What was the other big scandal in the early Clinton presidencies? Benghazi. <laughs> You're like 10, 15 years I know, early. I know, I know. I'd be funny. Um, I don't remember. That would be the Whitewater scandal. Oh, okay. Actually, I think I did bring that up in a previous trivia question. No, you did. I, you did. I got water, it. comma, white. Isn't that a thing that Mr. James shreds in the shredder? Yeah, I got it confused with Watergate. Yes. History is not Kayleen's. White history water. history and geography, if you want to look real smart in comparison to me. So which would you rather have, history, geography, or sports? 
sports. Really? Yeah. I don't know well, if it's if it's about a sport. I know about sports sometimes, like the rules. Huh. I don't know about athletes or like games. Hmm. <laughs> I mean, listen, <laughs> listen, you explained to me how football works. Like, do you remember I, that? Oh. I still think about your explanation of how football works yeah. when I'm trying to watch a game. Every down is a try. Yeah. You get four tries. Instead of thinking of them as downs, think of them as tries. I still think of yeah. that. Because like when I watch football and this is like. Third down. I'm just like, I don't know what's happening. I, They're on the third try. The quarterback is going to get the ball and he's probably going to throw it to someone, mm-hmm. but everybody else is going to run into each other at high speed. That's, that's what every football game looks like. Yeah. My, I remember going to a couple of football games and my dad explaining it to me. Oh, okay. And I think my dad was the one who said like, think of them as tries. And I was like, Oh, that's okay. so helpful. Like yeah. I, you and I, I was in my twenties before you said that to me. And I was like, Oh, a down is a try. I'm, I'm not even joking. <laughs> yeah. Like I know a little bit about rules sometimes, hmm. but you're right. Like, well, we've been through this. I can't name a city in a sport. Like, on that topic, January twenty eighth, in Super Bowl thirty. Oh, Jordan! This team wins, becoming the first NFL franchise to win three Super Bowls in four seasons. Jesus, Green Bay Packers. No, Dallas. No, Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys. That is correct. Yay! Very I remember good. being in the 90s and the Dallas Cowboys were like the team and, no. the, and the cheerleaders. And yeah. All that. yeah. Oh, I, that's great. No, that was the hint I was going to give you is like, think of the 90s in football. What team stands out yeah, to you? Yeah. The Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Last question. This is January 27th slash 29th. This nation performs a nuclear test in the Pacific and then immediately declares it will not be doing any more. Japan. No. I don't think Japan was ever a nuclear power. No. I guess they have nuclear power plants, but they don't have nuclear weapons, as far as I know. In the Pacific. Mm-hmm. So it must be, like, in Asia? Australia? The United States? No. no. Canada? The U.S. is still doing nuclear tests. Right. Russia? So the, uh, the politician who took the most flack for this and who made the announcement was Jacques Chirac? France. Mm-hmm. That's right. Huh. Yeah. So they were still doing nuclear tests up into the 90s. And somebody, I mean, this is just like so mid-90s, they got mad. Like, hey, don't do any more nuclear tests. And they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. I just, <laughs> what a different like, world. Like, you're going to fuck it up for everybody. Oh, yeah. got it. Yeah. All Cop- right. Copy that. That is the game. So you got. My goal is always five. Five out of ten. Perfect. Very good. Perfect. Right in the middle. <laughs> Very right in nice. the middle of mediocrity. Beautiful. All right. Now is the point in the show where we do recommendations. Kayleen, would you like to recommend having a brother who is also a sound engineer? Oh, yeah. My brother's the best. Anyone who knows him knows he's the best. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a recommendation. Sure. It is a recipe. <laughs> Jordan is covering his eyes right now. No, He's... tell him. Tell him. <laughs> tell, tell him. Go on. Go on. Go on, Kayleen. Tell him. Okay, so uh, many years ago, I was in England, and I was at a family's home for Easter, and they served a side dish, 
that I recently remembered. It was like a lost memory that came back to me. A food memory. It was a food memory. And as you might know, I have food memories. And I love onions. That is like my favorite. I put onions in almost everything I can. Onions and garlic is like my favorite. And this side dish were like these onions thin slicely with some type of cream sauce. And they were like roasted. And I remember thinking like, oh, cultural English. So I decided to Google this. I I think I literally Googled like onion roasted cream side dish. And I found something that was very similar. And so if you like onions, you might like this too. So it's really easy. You take two onions. You slice them into rings that are like quarter inch thick. You put them in a pan and you roast them at 350, just seasoned with like salt, pepper, and olive oil for 15 minutes. Then you take them out and then you transfer them to a baking pan or like a glass, a glass baking dish. Yes, a glass baking dish. And then you pour over it a cup of cream, or if you're like me, you make a little sauce with some heavy, heavy whipping cream and white wine. Mm. That was really good. A little nip for yourself, a little nip in the pot. Mm-hmm. Make a little, like a little cream sauce. Pour that over the onions. Put a little Parmesan, freshly grated Parmesan cheese on each onion. Cover it with foil. Put it in the oven for like 20, 30 minutes. And then in the last 10 minutes, you take the foil off so it gets all like caramelized on top and brown. I ate the whole pan. I ate the whole pan. She did. She did. I ate two whole onions. <laughs> I, this, as I was doing it, I, so I don't, part, I had a good reason. Part of it was it tasted really good. And the other part of it was I didn't think it would very be very good the next day. It doesn't seem like the type of thing that would keep very well. Yeah, I think you're fridge. right there, yeah. And so I was like, well, it's now or never. And Jordan would not eat it, and our children would not eat it. And I thought, it's up to you, Kayleen. And so I was like, I'll take one for the team, and I'll eat the whole pan of onions. And it, I loved every bite. It was so delicious. And I suffered no ill effects, so no regrets. And so if you are somebody who likes onions or you um, have a friend who likes onions or you just need a side dish, uh, it was incredibly good. You could literally Google like roasted onions, cream sauce, white wine, side dish, caramelized. Oh, it was so good. I'm probably going to make it again. That's, Jordan, Jordan look, was horrified. I, I just, I, you like onions so much more than I do. I, really I, I don't do. even dislike them, but the the idea of eating a dish that consisted primarily of two onions. It was onions, cream, wine, and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Four things I love dearly. <laughs> I just. And they were I, sweet onions. They're like the sweet yellow onions, uh-huh. not like the red kind of spicy, punchy onion. It's like a sweet sure. yellow onion. Okay. Ooh. All right. Look. Your right. eyes are watering just thinking about I, it. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> regretting some of the choices you made in your life. That's that's great. I hope I hope there's a listener out there who loves onions and makes this. You know, if I, you make it, yeah. listeners, let us know how it is. Yeah. And I guess the second half of, our, of my recommendation is like it's good to think sometimes about good memories that you have and the food that's connected to that good memory and then like you can make that food. Like you mm-hmm. can look for it, look for a recipe, make a copycat of it and yeah. you know, like part of what I'm sure I was reminiscing about when I was thinking about that memory was my experience in England, but it was really nice to have that little reminder in my mouth. 
<laughs> as well. So sure. We didn't write for Kayleen's. Kayleen's recommendation is roasted creamed onions. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Added to the pile of other recommendations, including pajamas and beach towels. <laughs> Uh, I like what I like, okay? Great. I like what I like. And I like you, so. I know. And I like you. (laughs) All right. My recommendation. (laughs) Yeah. My recommendation is going to be a writer and cultural thinker, and that person is Chuck Klosterman. Oh, yeah. You've liked him for a long time. I think I got into him around the time you and I started dating. So, yes, a very long time. I read some of his books to impress you, (laughs) but they were quite good. Yeah. Yeah. So, Chuck Klosterman is a guy who wrote for, like, Spin Mm -hmm. and wrote a bunch of um, pop culture books back in the late 90s, early 2000s, still putting out stuff. Um, And, listen, I have my own, you know, quibbles with him every time he writes something, like, if I were his editor, I would have the same four comments uh, for everything I've ever read of his. But, like, I will read whatever he does yeah. probably for the yeah. rest of his career. Like, I just adore his line of thinking. And one of the things I love the most about him is that he's trying to ask questions that nobody else is thinking of. Hmm. And he's trying to ask, I just don't know what it is. He's such an original thinker in the sense that, like, Nobody else does exactly what he does, and I'm just on board for someone who's trying to think of new hmm. things. And he wrote Owl City, right? <laughs> uh, Owl City is the name of the band that did oh, my gosh. the Fireflies. Oh my gosh, you're totally right. But he he has what Downtown about? Owl. Downtown Owl. Oh yep. my gosh, yes. Yep. That's an, the, his yeah. first novel that he wrote about a small town in North Dakota. Yeah, I still think about that book sometimes. Mm-hmm. It was just such an interesting story it had some kind of like magical realism to it that was kind of interesting yeah i liked that one i liked his second one the visible man which is I about think i read that one uh, uh, yeah maybe i didn't maybe i just told you about it but it's about a guy who is actually able to he creates a, an invisibility suit and mm. it's basically like like him going into a therapist to tell her about this and like deal with his you know own mental problems being the kind of person who would use an invisibility suit to spy on people go into women's locker rooms you know he wasn't a he was i'm not saying a creep i'm not saying he wasn't a creep because he was but his motivations were not sexual Hmm. but anyway so chuck klosterman man sex drugs and cocoa puffs that's a great place to start i think that's came out in 2004 great place to start uh sort of like very like middle brow pop culture criticism um, he like put out essays, one. right? Mm-hmm. Yep, I remember. He put out one that was uh, raised in captivity, which is like, I think he called it like fictional nonfiction. Mm. I remember I read you that short story about the guy who was attacking people by rubbing a cat on them. <laughs> yes. Like, I just yes. love it. I'm just here for it. So the okay, so there actually is a direction and a point with this recommendation. Uh, he and a guy named Chris Ryan had a podcast on Spotify called music exists where they just talked about popular music. I loved it. I, I listened to it all the way through. I immediately started back and listened to it all the way through again. Hmm. So uh, I recommend you check that out. And he also has a new book out, which fittingly for this podcast is called the nineties. Oh, it's just, I think kind of like we should read it an aging Gen Xer sort of realizing 
how forgotten and pointless his generation is, is mm. what I read <laughs> as kind of a synopsis. But yeah, that sounds about right. So hmm. Chuck Klosterman, man, I just check out basically anything he's done. If you want more specific recommendations, reach out to me on social media and I'd be happy to talk about him. He's one I could talk about for, I could do my own podcast, honestly, on Chuck Klosterman if I had someone to talk to who was that interested. Good you're, luck. You're not that person. Nope. I get it. <laughs> now is the point in the episode where we rate. Kayleen, do you have a unit for us? I do. You do? Pumpkins. Oh, I love it. I love it. I didn't know. You, if... you always like my units. Yeah, I didn't know if you were going to come up with one. So the one I was going to suggest would be lunch martinis. Uh, but I like pumpkins way better. Okay, so Kayleen, on a scale from one to five pumpkins, what would you give this episode? Uh, 2.7. 2.7. Yeah, not my favorite. Not eh. Better than average? I would say slightly less. I, I think of three as the average. I think it's slightly oh, less. Oh, because like one, two, three, four, five. Right, oh, okay. yeah. Because I guess you wouldn't give. Would you give 0. 0.5 pumpkins? Oh, no, the lowest I would give, I guess, is one. Oh, uh, I guess it is a scale from one to five. Right. Okay. Um, I would give this a 3.4 pumpkins. Hmm. Okay. I think I've said everything I want to say about why I like this episode. Mm-hmm. It's one I remember fondly. Hopefully it doesn't take us a month to record our next one. Oh, I, I really hope not. So I appreciate uh, the patience of our listenership, and we uh, are no longer having technical difficulties so yes i want to get back into the regular habit of recording and putting these out so all right anything else you want to say um i guess just thanks for listening to this if you're listening to our voice i've had a few people that i know in real life tell me that they listen to our podcast and like i don't even really exactly have words to tell me how that makes me feel like i feel like special and flattered and like slightly embarrassed and a little bit like, oh God, what did I say? <laughs> but um, I had a friend, I'll give a, give a shout out to Christina. She said a really nice comment to me that was like, it's sort of like having a conversation with a friend that you don't really have to put effort into because it's kind of one half of a conversation. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's just nice. It's nice to think about people that care about us and are interested in us and our life and listen to our little banter. Mm-hmm. So thank you for listening if you're hearing my voice right now. Absolutely. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. So for next episode, we will be talking about Season 2, Episode 13, titled In Through the Outdoor. (laughs) I can think of so many things I want to say right now. You know, I'd just rather you didn't. I think our listeners want me to say all the things. (laughs) Earn that explicit rating. You're waiting for me to say something. I won't. I won't. I'll be good. I'll be good. Great. Okay. So this is actually referencing something else, and I'm not even going to tell you what it is. But (laughs) from here through the end of the season, I want you to pay attention to the titles of the episodes. Okay. In Through the Outdoor. That's right. Does that ring any bells for you as the title of anything else? No. Okay. Just, Just keep that in the back of your head. Okay. Yep. All right, for WKJP News Radio, this is Jordan and Kayleen signing off. The theme music for WKJP News Radio is the song You Say But You Don't Know by the band Troubles Afoot. You can check them out on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, or wherever you find new music. Special thanks to Uncle Keith for our use of equipment and technical support. If you have questions, comments, or suggestions, you can reach out to us at WKJP Pod on Twitter or Instagram. 
You can also email us at wkjppod at gmail.com. If you like our show, please rate and review it on Apple Podcasts to help us find other listeners like you. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you.